0: Thanks for being here with us, everybody. Episode 814 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dallimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and indeed, the scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody.
1: Well, that was new and nice.
0: I'm a nice guy.
1: Trying a new approach.
0: New approach filled to the brim with niceness.
1: Is it because of your near-death experience that you recently had? Uh... You know, when you almost got silence of the Lamb <laughs> uh, Yeah. Did I say that right? Silence of the lambs. I
0: almost got silenced of the lambed.
1: Silence yeah. of the lambed.
0: Yeah, like it's a, a verb. You verbized yeah, yeah. Being, being silenced of the lambs. It was actually not me. It ended up being maybe a reverse silence of the
1: lambs. <laughs> okay, just explain what happened. So... For those of you,
0: spoiler alerts for <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, if you haven't seen the movie that was published in 1991.
1: Which, if you haven't, how have you not? How have you not seen it? For sure. Classic
0: American cinema.
1: Fantastic.
0: Film. Starring Jodie Foster and the the venerable Anthony
1: Hopkins. Social media star now.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he is with that Twitter account where he dances around and shit. Anyway, so, there's a scene in it where the Buffalo Bill guy, who's played by the guy who plays like the sheriff or the chief of police in Monk, mm-hmm. and he's, he's kidnapping his victim by acting like he's got a cast on his arm and needing to help needing help with a couch to put it into the back of the van. Yeah. At which point, he bludgeons her.
1: He forces her to go into the van first yeah. with the couch and backs her up into the and van. And then
0: beats her and kidnaps her.
1: Taking advantage of her kindness and compassion.
0: Yeah, so, so we were walking down the block. Actually, you're back at the house, and I'm walking a bag of sweepy poop. Yep. Down to the dumpster, not dumpster, the trash can at the end of the block.
1: Uh huh.
0: And as I'm walking down, I see this this girl, this lady, um, struggling with a giant box, mm-hmm. like. End over end up her steps into her townhouse, uh-huh. her her row house, and I just said, "Oh, hey, do you need a hand?" Mm-hmm. And she got a little bit of panic on her face, but it was not—it was not panic. It was stress because she's like, Ugh, "I'm really." This is how I perceived the, how it went down. I'm really struggling with this. Yeah, I don't want to be kidnapped and murdered. <laughs> you seem okay. Uh huh. Man, this is heavy. Okay, you can help.
1: See, I'm glad that you are conscious of these things. And I don't know if you've always had that. Do you feel like you've always had that ability to read those situations and know, oh, this may be a situation where because of my size or whatever, because I'm a man, that I could be making this woman uncomfortable. Yeah,
0: no. No, For sure not. It's only been because of the conversations we've had on the show over the many years that I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. I've for sure been completely unaware.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, even,
0: and we'll get back to the story, but even like I'm a touchy guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a hugger. I'm a uh, resting my hand on people's backs. Mm-hmm. I, you still remind me like, hey, you're a little touchy. I think you might be making people uncomfortable and I have to check myself. Yeah. Out of love, out of, out of just affection, not out of sexuality, anything. You know what I mean? Anyway, so let's get back to the me almost being murdered uh, or her, she thought. <laughs> So anyway, uh, she accepts the help, and I I place the poop up. doesn't matter to the story, but I put the poop on her ledge and walk up there.
1: I mean that's pretty rude. And
0: then she does say, "You can go ahead and take that other end mm. to force me into the house where she could bludgeon me and send me down in a hole where I put the lotion on my skin, <laughs> or else I get the hose again." Great. And uh, rather than do that, I just grabbed it by the whole the straps, the whole. It ended up being a barbecue. Oh a grill. So
1: you manned up on the grill. A box.
0: So yeah, I, I I hoisted the box by the straps and she was like, Oh okay. This is gonna go down differently than I thought. Definitely not gonna get murdered. And I just carried it into her entryway. Yeah. And then when I got back, I didn't even know you had been watching. Yeah. That's what you said to me.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Oh, you almost got uh, silence of the lamb. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what it seemed like from afar. Yeah. I was like, oh, we'll kind of watch this situation, see how it goes for Jesse. If I need to call nine one one, I'll do that. Yeah, but
0: from your vantage, you couldn't see.
1: I couldn't see who anything. was he- who
0: I was helping. Yeah. What was even really going on? Yeah.
1: I also, I genuinely was not concerned because I'm not walking around thinking that bad things are about to happen at all times. But I thought it would be a funny joke. That's the point. Yeah. And aren't we always looking for the best joke? Always to make? looking
0: for the joke.
1: It, it's what you got to do.
0: Well. The funny thing is, <laughs> we're not always, maybe always looking for the joke, but we're certainly always looking for the intro topic. <laughs> and I immediately said intro and message the, th- the thread that we have going on Facebook for things just like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so wait, what ended up happening to Sweepy's poop? Did it make it to the trash can?
0: Yeah, because then as soon as I got done, okay. I ran it down. Because it's like at the end of the block. So I you just didn't ran just it leave it on the ledge? No, no. That okay. was that was her payment. <laughs> now you got to bring the shit to the trash.
1: Oh, well, good. I'm glad that you survived. It's
0: nice to have things happen during the week that aren't um, emblematic of the political hellscape that surrounds us on an almost daily basis.
1: Yes, it is. It is nice.
0: Which the hellscape continues. Mm-hmm this week it does and we're going to talk about all of that before we do i want to drop the phone number and encourage you to call encourage you to communicate with the show 657-464-7609 of course you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com moving on to some listener communication
1: so we're going to start with an email from eric Brittany, Jesse, I had to drive through Kansas this week. Recently, you've discussed how they're going to have a vote to ban abortion there. And I was hopeful that logic and reason would rise to the top with the public actually given the chance to vote on the issue versus the right wing leaders just enacting anti-abortion laws like in most states. Sadly, like you've discussed on the show, the anti-abortion crowd is very well organized, and on the drive through, I counted 24 signs saying, vote yes, value them both, and not a single opposition sign. These signs were huge on farms, on lawns in small towns, everywhere, Anyway, if you have any listeners in Kansas, I hope they are able to get involved quickly, or Kansas will be another shithole state, just like the one I live in, just below them. Thanks, Eric.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I signal, I, I, I uh, second the the sentiments of Eric that. Coming from a state much like Kansas, much like Oklahoma, much like Texas, much like Arkansas, Missouri, Louisiana, all these other uh, dystopian, Christo-fascist states, Idaho, it is a challenge to find people who are willing to put in the work, put in the time, uh, put in the money to finance things like billboards and advertisements to, in support of measures that are on the ballot so
1: yeah so the vote is going to be august 2nd for those of you who live in kansas i'm sure if you live in kansas you've been seeing the political ads Uh, according to reporting there is a lot of money that has been invested on both sides of the issue trying to get the word out people have been knocking on doors obviously eric is reporting that he is seeing much more from the anti-choice side and hopefully those of you who live in Kansas can reach out to people, you know, and get involved and really try to get some movement here before that vote.
0: Yeah, I really hope it's not one of those situations where people are relying on the activism of others thinking, oh, they'll, everybody's going to do the right thing. I don't need to vote. Those days are behind us. If, you, if you're if you in Kansas and you've been thinking that, you need to get out there and vote. And not only vote, you need to get your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, your friends, people who you know who may not be politically active and get them to vote your way as well. Mm-hmm. Because uh, democracy hangs in the balance. Yeah. Constitutional rights literally hang in the balance here. So
1: Yeah. So we do have another email. I just want to give a shout out to... Uh, a listener that tends to write in anonymously, so I won't say their name, but they did write in and uh, lecture you about how it was very <laughs> unprofessional of you.
2: <laughs> oh, no. To
1: not have a backup for the computer. Oh, yeah. And so you said you didn't want emails, but you did get some emails about it, and it ended up working out. You did find that you had saved some of the files that you needed on a backup that is right so well, also
0: we had a repair guy out here for two hours
1: yeah that was yesterday
0: yesterday yeah and one of the computer one of them's fixed and the other one i have the fix for we think that just got delivered from amazon thanks jeff bezos mm-hmm. and i'm gonna after we do this right now after we do the show i'm gonna try to figure out how to unfuck that other computer but yeah we we've got to work around i did indeed um not knowingly even save my own ass by having backup so
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> thanks okay. thanks for the concern
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right another email from roger hey jesse and Brittany, i'm a big fan of the show and the video content i'm a liberal gun owner and veteran i'm pro second amendment but with some restrictions. For assault-style rifles, make the age limit 26, even for veterans. Ban 100 round drum mags. This is like foreign... Concept to me, yeah. so it's difficult for me to read. Uh, the police have legally no duty to protect you. I'm all for responsible people who have gone through training being allowed to conceal carry, especially women, people of color, and the LGBT plus community that are more likely to be attacked or sexually assaulted. Gun buybacks don't work. People in broken guns, inert A24 rocket launchers, and trash made to look like rifles. Then people use the Walmart gift cards to buy ammo and more guns. Britain and Australia still allow guns, but are highly regulated. Sorry for the long email and loss of your dog. Love you both. And it's the only show my wife will watch. And she's also a lifelong Democrat. Roger. Right.
0: Well, that is nice. Thank you, Roger. Uh, well, I would push back. I would say that gun buybacks do work. We've seen it um, on national levels, the scale of, 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 of national politics in other nations. Um, just because there are snafus or, or limited buyback programs don't particularly work well in the cases that they've been done here in the United States doesn't mean we can't get it right because it's been done and it's, it's been handled well as far as um banning only a drum magazine that's we that that's um i mean that might be an easy lift for conservatives and republicans i think we could do, we could do a lot easier i think any high capacity magazine starting at 15 rounds should be banned i mean even if we have to to ban um an 11-round magazine, and then force gun manufacturers and gun, gun equipment manufacturers to redesign a lower-capacity magazine, then so be it. That's just what we have to do. Um, that's the point of banning these high-capacity magazines. It's like when, when Marjorie Taylor Greene yells at the British reporter to go back to her country where they have stabbings. We don't have 19 people dying by stabbing in the, in the United Kingdom. We don't have mass death on the scale that we see in the United States, really anywhere in the world. And by banning a high capacity magazine or whatever number of rounds that are held in a magazine, we would be eliminating the ability of someone to walk into a school and kill pop, 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 pop as quickly as they pull the trigger.
1: Right. I would also caution Roger against this idea that we need to arm more people. I think the solution we need to focus on is keeping guns out of the hands of abusers and violent people. Because, for example, he cited women, people of color and LGBTQ plus community that should be armed. And a woman that is living in an abusive environment, for example, is like six times more likely to be killed if there's a gun in the home than other women. So that can actually put them at greater risk of danger having a weapon in their home. Well, well,
0: even in in possession of a weapon, oftentimes the weapon is 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 taken and used against the person who was there. Previously armed, right? That just happens all the time. Now, as far as I, listen, I'm Roger. I'm not against people being armed and concealed carry permits at all, but I do believe that the threshold to be qualified to have a concealed carry permit should be about a hundred times greater than it is now. Right. You, there should be extensive training. Yeah. It, it's not just a written test that are are easy, stupid, common sense questions. It should be physical training, hours and hours and hours of physical training until those behaviors and safety um, um, cut-throughs are just muscle memory. Right. It shouldn't be something easily achieved.
1: Well, and that's why I'm highlighting that point of Roger saying that these specific groups, because they're more likely to be attacked or sexually assaulted, he said that they should be that they should be armed, that he supports them being armed. And that's like a variation of arming the teachers or whatever, right? That we should be putting guns in people's hands in order to protect them when really the issue is the guns and that there's too many guns, the ease of access to the guns. All of these are the problem, not necessarily arming more people in order to be protected from the guns. Yeah,
0: without a doubt. Anyway, Roger, thanks for the email. We appreciate the perspective, uh, even dissenting or not exactly online with how we, we feel about things. For sure. uh, this is an open conversation, as it always is, and we, we encourage the audience to sound off. Once again, the phone number is 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right, let's go to a voicemail. Hey,
2: Brittany and Jesse. It's Noah from Chapel Hill. I just was listening to episode 813 um, and about the part where you guys were talking about the 10-year-old girl in Ohio and how Fox News and, honestly, a lot of the media outlets were spinning it as being a sensationalized, made-up story, da-da-da. Although it's been disproven, I have to say Fox News, I guess, was effective at uh, convincing their brainwash Deplorable fans to believe it because my grandma is one of them. And when I finally sent her, when I sent her the article from BBC about the man actually being charged because we had already had arguments over the phone about it, she responded and said, "Governor Ohio said she would not have needed to go to Indiana. They don't have a six-week limit. They have a heartbeat law. And besides, she was a minor. Why wasn't he arrested before this hit the news? Were they using her to promote the abortion issue?" so frustrating how politicians and news people use the public so like i don't even know what to do with that it's like where do you even begin is there hope
1: i mean i think those are separate questions but sure (laughs) uh where do you begin with that you probably don't I mean, it depends on how far you want to take something like that with your your grandma. I believe is is who we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, I think for me, my initial reaction when hearing what I believe to be quotes or a text message sent to Noah mm-hmm. about it's so lame how the I'm paraphrasing. I don't think your grandma <laughs> said lame. Um, that how repreh- reprehensible it is that the media is using. Using people, using this issue to control people and how they feel about things, Mm -hmm. when that's exactly what's happening to your grandma. Yeah. Because the true story
1: Mm -hmm.
0: isn't swaying people, isn't being used as, as propaganda. The lie was used as propaganda. Right. So- I don't know. I don't think there is some panacea or some magic pill that's going to, there's no way to blue pill your grandma, so to speak, about this particular thing, it, it, especially not in a eureka moment that is just, oh, finally, I, now I see the light. It's going to be many conversations over a lot of time, over a lot of different topics that hopefully you're able to break through, Um, but it's going to be an uphill, maybe impossible battle. So,
1: yeah. And I mean, it's up to you how you want to approach that. Do you want to spend a bunch of time fact checking her knowing that likely those fact checks are going to fall on deaf ears and you're not going to be able to convince her? But maybe there will be a part of her that starts to see things a different way or maybe you start to break through a little bit or maybe she starts to see, oh, OK, that part of what I texted isn't necessarily true, but I'm still going to hold to all of this. It. It's really tough when you're dealing with family members that are dedicated to holding on to their very delicate believies.
0: Yeah, I think one other thing just came to me also. I think that it might be u- useful, there might be some utility in asking questions like, well, how credible is Fox News that for days they promoted the lie that it wasn't true? And now we find out it is true. Who cares about these extraneous details that it was an undocumented immigrant, all of these other things? None of that matters. The core of the story is that they said it did not happen. They promoted Jim Jordan saying, this is a lie, when it ultimately was not a lie.
1: Well, and even the core of the story just being the fact that a 10-year-old rape victim, who, by the way, was nine at the time, had to travel across state lines to get an abortion, Let's say even that she, like, if the grandma doesn't believe that she had to travel across state lines because she could have had the abortion in Ohio, whatever, is she okay with the fact that a 10-year-old is going to have to jump through whatever hoops are in place to have an abortion after a rape or being a victim of incest? You know, I think starting with, like, a human story and just trying to get some of that connection emotionally from your grandma may be a good place to start, but it's tough
0: yeah for sure thanks noah for the call thanks everybody for the emails we appreciate it Uh, once again 657-464-7609 we welcome your input and your listener communication Uh, it is something we've done for eight over eight years now and i think it is one part of what makes this particular program quite special all right moving on
3: i doubt it is a listener supported podcast Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast.
1: We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Ed M. Ed M. And Daphne W. Daphne W. Thank you so very much to our current and new Patreon supporters. We could not do this without you. We appreciate you. If you can support the show on Patreon, if you are unable to support the show on Patreon, you can support us in other ways. You can donate on PayPal. You can listen to the show. You can buy merch at dolamore.info. We have a lot of different designs. Uh, poverty is a public policy choice shirt. We have a...
0: Fight poverty, not the
1: poor. That is exactly what we have. And those are great shirts. We have them. <laughs> we wear them. We love them. We have thought about actually doing a giveaway on Patreon where we're going to have a shirt that we give away. We're
0: doing it. We just got to figure out how to do it.
1: Yeah. So stay tuned for that as we figure that out. But remember, we have our end of the month Patreon hangout for those in the specific hangout tier. And that is the last Saturday of the month at 1 p.m. Eastern times. That's going to be July 30th, Saturday, July 30th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Those
0: are always a good time for sure. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Moving on. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism.
1: So last time we talked about the police footage being leaked from Uvalde, the Robb Elementary School shooting, and how there was going to be a report coming out investigating the police failures in that case. Well, that report has been released. It has found systemic failures and egregiously poor decision making within the police department.
4: For the first time, the public is getting a chilling picture of early moments inside Robb Elementary from police body camera footage. Early chaos and glimpses of calls to action. We gotta get in there. We gotta get in there he just shooting. That plea coming minutes after the massacre began. But that first interaction, the only time the officers are seen in the video physically confronting the gunman for well over an hour. This new footage released as the most comprehensive report to date conducted by the texas house finds law enforcement which ultimately reached 376 officers didn't honor their most basic responsibility the author's writing they failed to prioritize saving the lives of innocent victims over their own safety
5: several officers in the hallway or in that building knew or should have known there was dying in that classroom and they
4: should have done more acted with urgency Family members said they were hoping for more than a verbal dressing down. But they're saying we already knew it. They were powered. Ultimately, some action was taken right away. The city's mayor announcing right before this meeting, the acting chief of Uvalde's police department, Mariano Pargas, now on administrative leave. The report signing, no evidence that any officer who did learn about 911 phone calls coming from inside rooms 111 and 112, including Pargas, acted on it to advocate shifting to an active shooter style response. There are also windows into heroism. Students apparently being pulled out of the building, and this heartbreaking hallway exchange with Officer Ruben Ruiz right after the initial gunfire. Learning his wife, Eva Morales, a teacher, was shot and dying before his weapon was taken and he was removed for trying to engage the shooter, according to Texas DPS. The only teacher who did survive in those two rooms, Arnufel Reyes, shot twice, believes Morelis could have been saved. If the law enforcement officers on scene would have allowed him to continue pursuing the gunman.
3: Yeah, she would have
4: probably lived.
3: And I... I I think she's one of the ones that they had said that also bled to death.
4: All 11 of the students in his class didn't survive. Mm, Sam, that's just
6: heartbreaking. I mean, beyond the acting police chief being placed on administrative leave, I mean, is there is there any talk about accountability, even just for other leaders, uh, for or even responding officers that day?
4: The short answer, Morgan, is it's unclear. I asked that very question to the chairman of this investigatory body to find out. You know, you listed all of these different law enforcement agencies. Which, if any, do you feel like bears the biggest brunt of the blame? And what kind of legal action or criminal liability are we looking at here? And he, he sidestepped the question and said all of these agencies need to be doing their own evaluations, which we saw is happening in Valley. I would add the district attorney here broke weeks of silence and said that she is not speaking specifically about the investigation because of possible charges. Mm -hmm. whether that actually comes to light
0: we're gonna have to wait and see morgan several things here one i am starting to see what i believe to be a concerted effort on the part of the media to rehabilitate the images of these cops talking about flashes of heroism i saw a tweet attempts at heroism Mm -hmm. and secondly it is a tragedy to be sure That that cop lost his wife. And it is terrible that it took his wife's life being in danger for him to act. Because he is the guy with the Punisher logo on his phone.
1: Oh, is that On the video. Hmm.
0: And he's getting a text from his wife that she is dying. And that's when he springs into action. They know what's happening. They hear the dozens of rounds being expended from the weapon. They hear the blood-curdling scream of children. And that doesn't initiate in him a panicked rush to engage the shooter. The text from his wife does. This was handled poorly. And... In the aftermath now, we're seeing a cover-up of pretty epic proportions, even by Greg Abbott, who, by the way, hasn't, didn't attend, not hasn't, did not attend a single funeral of a victim in Uvalde.
1: And you did a a video about that today, I believe, but, uh, and this isn't a situation where you can say the cops didn't know, first of all, because there were hundreds of them. So someone's going to know nearly
0: 400
1: cops. And they, they play that video for you in this news package where in just the few, the first few minutes there, they're saying we have to get in there. He's still shooting. So they knew, they knew that they needed to get in there. They knew that they needed to do something. And Evidently, they just peter out in yeah. their intentions 70, and motivations.
0: 70 minutes later, they're still standing around in the hallway sanitizing their hands.
1: Right. So the question in that news package ends with, is there going to be accountability? And that remains to be seen.
0: You know what's going what, to be the cause of accountability is uh, may, uh, uh, a sustained outrage from the public. Mm-hmm. Texans and people from Uvalde are going to have to demand demand, even if it means taking to the streets. That's how we're going to get consequences here. Yeah. So
1: So now we want to turn to something, Jesse, that I think is going to be particularly close to your heart, having connections to the Idaho Republican Party. Every two years, Republicans gather in Idaho to decide on their party platform and their resolutions. The
0: Republican Summer Uh, Meetings, I think they're called. Something like that. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: These aren't things that actually establish laws but they're kind of like a guide for their activism and like the things that they want to see become law
0: the official things that the official party represents
1: and surprisingly enough one of their proposed resolutions was that the election was stolen from joe biden yeah but that actually didn't become part of the party platform which is surprising to me based on the other things that did become part of the party platform so let's talk about a few of those things one is about the quote-unquote American family they said quote we affirm that abortion is murder from the moment of fertilization all children should be protected regardless of the circumstances of conception including persons conceived in rape and incest. And according to the Idaho Public Television reporting, some delegates shared concerns about ectopic pregnancies. And these are non viable pregnancies that endanger the life of the mother. That
0: 100% of ectopic pre- pregnancies fail. Yes. And the, the treatment for it is abortion.
1: Yeah, because a fertilized egg implants and begins growing outside of the main cavity of the mother's uterus, like in the fallopian tubes. Right. That's why it's so dangerous. So it's never viable. And without some sort of medical treatment, it's it's going to be life-threatening. And they did not put an exemption for the life of the mother in lethal danger. They did not include ectopic pregnancies. And a motion for this amendment, including that exception failed in a 412 to 164 vote. So we're not talking about like a close call here. It wasn't tight. Yeah. We're talking about people being unhinged in the Idaho, in the Idaho Republican party. When it comes to health and welfare, one of the platforms said, quote, we should be able to exercise free power of choice without intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion. They're talking about, like, masks and vaccines. Of course.
0: (laughs) Because their body, their choice.
1: Yeah. Right. (laughs) A part of the platform is also that you need to register as a Republican for one year before being able to vote in the primary. They want to... (sighs) (laughs) Come on. (laughs) They want to repeal the 16th Amendment, which would remove the congressional authority to tax income. Yeah.
0: It just... It's... It's the fringiest of the fringe, nutter-butter shit that is represented by the absolute mainstream of the Idaho Republican Party.
1: They also had platforms related to education. They want public funding going toward private schools. They want parental consent on masks and vaccines. They want to oppose, quote-unquote, social justice indoctrination. That includes, according to this, critical race theory, transformative social-emotional learning, diversity, equity, and inclusion, replacement theory, and queer theory. So I'm not sure why replacement theory is added in there.
0: There's no listen. Th- this hits home for me because I grew up in this. I am. I grew up in a household where the most conservative people in Idaho politics, who were mainstream, were considered like, oh, they're just a Democrat. They just run as a Republican. People like Larry Craig and Dirk Kempthorne, people who were very conservative. I grew up in a household that certainly, to this day, thinks the current governor brad little is some kind of a a rhino it's it's scary and dangerous Mm -hmm. that it's no longer the the republican party and the republican ideologies that my parents adhere to is no longer fringe and non-mainstream they are the majority of the party in idaho now Mm -hmm. it's and it's not isolated to just idaho These ideas are spreading rapidly throughout the entire party nationally.
1: Yeah. Well, and one more resolution I want to talk about is that they want to establish a special committee to handle crossover voting. Now, this refers to the idea that they believe a lot of Democrats registered as Republicans to disrupt this previous election. They
0: have closed primaries in Idaho in the Republican Party where you have to be a member of the party to vote for Republican nominees.
1: And I know this is going to be surprising, but that didn't happen. Like, not a bunch of Democrats didn't register as Republicans right. in this previous election. So they're concerned about crossover voting. They want to do something to prevent it. It's a thing that's not happening. So, what do
0: you do if you just register at 18 years old? Your first time registering. Sorry, you don't get a vote for another year. There's all kinds of constitutional quandaries that they're going to be facing here putting extra limits on on the right to vote.
1: So one concerning element, I mean all of this is concerning, an additional concerning element is that every incumbent member of party leadership lost re-election at this summer, what do you call it?
0: I think it's what well, they I think they call them the summer meetings, but I could be wrong.
1: And the most concerning aspect of that is that Dorothy Moon of Stanley, Idaho is the new Republican Party chairman. And she is a far-right radical, so much so that Republicans that have started this organization in Idaho called Take Back Idaho released a statement after she was appointed to her position. And they said, Dorothy Moon's election to Idaho GOP leadership is absolutely disturbing. Moon's dangerous gallery of associations, including militant Eamon Bundy, militia leader Eric Parker, convicted rapist Aaron Von Ellinger, and white nationalists like Wendy Rogers should be disqualifying for state party leadership, but fresh from their rightful rejection by Idaho voters just eight weeks ago, Moon and her powerful cronies are doing what they do best, changing the rules, courting extremists and demanding allegiance to their dark vision for Idaho. With Dorothy Moon's election to leadership, the Idaho Republican party has firmly lost all touch with the average Idahoan.
0: Yeah. These are racists and radicals, white nationalists christo fascists, and they 're not even trying to hide it
1: and if you live in Idaho, I think it is well past time to be very concerned
0: yeah I mean listen you you, you face a, a a serious question of whether it 's time just to get the fuck out and wash your hands of it if you can uh, or fight like hell at the ballot box to to maintain some sanity in in you know, in the largest populated area in the state is really what controls controls it. And right. there's so many rural areas, like where I grew up, that are just nut or fucking butter. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So like you said earlier, Jesse, the concern is that this isn't just in Idaho, that it is across the country. And one conservative organization, Moms for Liberty, we've talked about it on the show before. Yeah, there are another
0: insane outfit
1: started just 18 months ago and they have gained over one hundred thousand members
7: now nbc news national investigative reporter tyler kincaid is covering the schools issue for us uh, today he spent the weekend at the national summit of the conservative parents right group moms for liberty uh tyler this group only came into existence about a year and a half ago Uh, it has seen pretty dramatic growth though talk to us about how that happened
3: yeah well When they started, Aaron, they got a lot of airtime on places like Fox News, Glenn Beck, Talk Radio, and so on. And the founders also had connections to uh, some Republican operatives, so that certainly helped. Uh, But I talked to a bunch of rank-and-file chapter members at the summit, and they all told a similar story about how they got involved. They were upset about mask mandates and school closures during the pandemic. Uh, They started looking for information online and on Facebook about what they could do. And then they stumbled across Moms for Liberty and got LinkedIn. Uh, The group now says they have nearly 100,000 members in 37 states, and they've only existed for about 18 months.
7: There were some pretty big uh, Republican names at this summit there. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, for example, gave the keynote. I want to play a little bit of what he had to say and ask you about it on the other side.
3: Our school system is for educating kids, not
7: indoctrinating kids. So, Tyler, talk to us about some of the other big speakers there and and what their messages were.
3: Right. Uh, Governor DeSantis was a big crowd pleaser. There were a lot lot of uh, mamas for DeSantis stickers all over the place. Um, And he received an award from the group before his speech. Uh, But the other names included people like uh, Betsy DeVos, Trump's education secretary, Senator Rick Scott, who heads up the uh, senate republican election arm um, and their presence just shows how much of a player moms for liberty has become in conservative politics but you also have people from conservative think tanks leading trainings for activists a lot of talk about how uh, school mental health programs are forms of indoctrination which the crowd cheered to um, and florida lawmakers talking about filing more um, so-called parental rights bills uh next year Aaron
7: what kind of impact does this group, this Moms for Liberty, really hope to have on the midterm elections that are coming up?
3: Right. So the local chapters are going to be focused on school board races and um, their supporters tend to be conservative or Republican. So you just play that out. The midterms are all about turnout. If you have a base of conservative leading voters engaged in hyper-local elections, school boards, that's going to have an effect up the ballot um that's exactly what senator rick scott said and that's what folks like him are uh, are counting on Aaron to see they see moms for liberty as a boost for the gop's chances overall to take back congress and hold on to a lot of governor's offices
7: all right national investigative reporter tyler kincaid with us today tyler thank
0: you
1: continuing with the indoctrination in public schools
0: our children should be educated not indoctrinated
1: you should have seen by the way how he responded. Was he
0: just so fucking proud of himself? He was so
1: he was trying trying not to smile at first. Ron DeSantis, of course, is what yeah, we're talking yeah. about in the clip. And he was trying not to smile, but everyone got on their feet, standing ovation for that line, and he just could not contain. He was so pleased by that. <laughs> very similar to Donald Trump. I mean, at least these people are easy to read. Yeah, yeah. And they're very pleased with themselves when they get attention. That's what they're looking for.
0: Ah, he's the fucking worst.
1: Well... He's sticking around, so:
0: yeah, well, that's the thing is, uh, his biggest, most fervent supporters are doing the the heavy lifting of the water for him, really trying to promote that he is the guy mm-hmm. and scary.
1: So the effects of all of these conservative policies and laws are coming into full view, as we've been talking about with the 10-year-old who had to travel across state lines to get an abortion after a rape. And now we're hearing the story of women who are coming close to death or experiencing other terrible complications of pregnancy and not able to get medical care because of the anti-abortion laws in their state. And one woman, Marlena Stell, came forward to talk about how she was forced to carry her dead fetus for two weeks because of anti-abortion laws.
8: Two, three, four. Marlena oh. Stell and A.D. De Silva have always wanted a little brother or sister for their daughter, Adelina. Instead, what they got was a nightmare because of a Texas anti-abortion law.
9: I get so angry. That I was treated this way because of laws that were passed that by men who have never been pregnant and never will be.
8: Stell's nightmare started out as a dream come true. After months of trying, she became pregnant late last summer. We were super excited because we didn't think I could get pregnant. An ultrasound at seven and a half weeks showed all was well. But at an ultrasound two weeks later... She said there is no
9: heartbeat, there is no viable pregnancy.
8: Stell asked her doctor for a standard treatment, a surgery to remove the fetal remains. She says her doctor refused. That surgery, commonly known as a DNC, is the same procedure used to abort a living fetus.
9: She said, well, because of the new law that's passed, um, you're going to have to get another ultrasound for me to be able to even do anything for you.
8: Overwhelmed emotionally and physically. The pain would get so severe it would be hard to walk. She went to get a second invasive ultrasound at an imaging center, describing it later in a YouTube video
9: someone shoves a wand in my sensitive area and tells me, hey, you lost your baby again. I shouldn't have to go through that twice.
8: So you had to hear it twice that you lost a baby. It's gut-wrenching.
9: I'm sorry. That's okay. Because you already know what you're going to see. It's just like seeing it twice, being told that you're not going to be a mom.
8: Even after that second ultrasound, Mm -hmm. would your obstetrician give you the surgical procedure? No, no. Wow. Stell had to go get yet another ultrasound showing her dead fetus. So you were walking around carrying a dead fetus.
9: And just emotionally carrying it around and just knowing that there's nothing you could do. It just feels very, it's like I can't grieve or move past it because I'm just walking around carrying it.
8: Dr. Lillian Shapiro has been an OBGYN in Atlanta for more than 30 years. When a woman is walking around with a dead fetus for weeks because she can't get a surgical procedure, what's the danger to her? She can develop an infection that can make her sterile and never able to have children again. Or even worse and the baby dies inside, the baby starts to release parts of its tissue that can get into the mother's blood supply. It can cause organ failure, it can cause death. In Texas and some other states, a doctor who does the right thing and surgically removes a dead fetus could be vulnerable to an expensive lawsuit. Any private citizen can walk in the court and say, I think Dr. Smith performed an abortion. And citizens are incentivized to bring such cases. They can win more than $10,000. And even when doctors can prove the fetus was dead, the doctor still has to be responsible for their own legal fees. They're
0: going to lose even though they win. Um, And that's the chilling effect. They face this specter of potentially endless, ruinous litigation that they just can't stop, they can't avoid, they can't preempt. It is the responsibility of the media in this country to shine a light on every single one of these cases to let these pregnant individuals or formerly pregnant individuals tell their story, convey their grief because it's one of the only ways forward. If we're going to reverse what was done, Mm -hmm. we need to see exactly the damage that's being done by the party of family values. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: This is disgusting. They're going to, they're going to, we want our domestic supply of infants, but we're willing to render this woman infertile mm-hmm. in the process. Right. It's fucking gross.
1: Yeah. And I think you're making an important point that the media needs to tell these stories. I think it's difficult for people to come forward with these stories and put, themsel- so put themselves out there in this way. It is very important. I, I think we can never lose sight of the fact that this is the goal. This is the inevitable outcome. And Republicans know that. They cannot pretend. They cannot start to say, oh, we didn't know that this kind of stuff was going to happen. Yeah, We didn't know because you've been told.
0: You know what? Also, fuck every corporation, major corporation that's headquartered in Texas still. Fuck every major corporation that gives a dollar to Republican candidates. It's that is really a very viable way forward to reverse this policies these policies by the republican party is if companies stop giving them money and the we as a nation stand up and say no more we're not going to do this anymore
1: i think the republican response to the 10 year old story illustrates how afraid republicans actually are of these stories coming out yeah because this is already the majority of Americans are not on their side. They do not want these abortion restrictions. And so when they see these things happening to people, it's only going to make the issue more emotionally charged. And so they don't want these stories to come out. That's why they're trying to lie about the actual real ramifications, the real world consequences of the legislation that they are putting in place.
0: Yeah, I see a lot of Republicans even trying to you know, your legal types trying to, like, exonerate this woman's pain and exonerate the Supreme Court's, their decision. Like, oh, well, you know, they're just reading the law. No, they're not. We have an activist court, Samuel Alito. He wanted this to be the case. Brett Kavanaugh wanted this woman to go through this. Amy Coney Barrett, Neil Gorsuch, they all, Clarence Thomas, this is what they wanted. This is the America they want. This is the America they are engineering. Mm-hmm. Ugh. We'd love to know what you think about this. 657-464-7609 or email I doubt it at com.
1: We've been talking a lot about Republicans and what they are up to. Now let's talk about Democrats. Yes. Well, Let's talk about Joe Manchin. I don't know what to call him. I, I guess he's a Democrat, but he's standing in the way of everything that Democrats want to do. So kind of confusing for me. Yeah. And his decision to block Joe Biden's climate change legislation is just his latest act.
6: As the nation swelters through this heat wave, any immediate climate action is on the ropes after two stinging defeats. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin from Coleridge, West Virginia, today defending his decision to block President Biden's climate legislation, including tax incentives for wind and solar power and electric vehicles. Manchin says it calls for spending that will send inflation even higher.
10: I haven't walked away from anything. Uh, and inflation is my biggest
2: concern.
6: Add to that the Supreme Court limiting the EPA's ability to regulate carbon emissions from power plants, the nation's second largest source of the gases driving climate change. What do those two developments do to President Biden's climate agenda?
5: Well, there's no sugarcoating it. They are major setbacks.
6: Biden hoped to cut U.S. greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030. Polls show a majority of Americans, 65 percent, are worried about global warming. But only 1 percent of voters say climate change is the top issue facing the country. Among voters under 30, that number rises only to 3 percent. Climate change always seems to be the issue that we can put off until tomorrow. That we at the point that we can no longer put off acting on climate change?
5: We absolutely should not be putting a lot of action on climate change. 30 years ago, it was a problem for the future. It is a problem for now, now.
6: President Biden is promising executive action, but climate activists believe without Congress acting to speed up wind and solar installations and electric vehicle purchases, it won't be
0: enough. When? When is Joe Biden going to come out and say something derogatory about Joe Manchin? When is Joe Biden going to fight for his agenda, his quote unquote agenda? When? When? He never does anything. He never says anything. Never an ill word spoken against his highness, Joe fucking Manchin.
1: Do you know who did, though?
0: I was so happy that Bernie finally fucking is fed the fuck up. So happy.
1: Yeah, he was on with Martha Raddatz and she asked him about it.
6: And the and the agenda there. Senator Joe Manchin, of course, abruptly pulled the plug this week on the Democratic Party. No, Martha, he didn't abruptly.
10: Martha, oh, oh, okay, Martha, let, let, me let respectfully okay, disagree. He abruptly,
6: on Friday, he didn't did abruptly that.
10: do anything. He was in the House. He sabotaged the President's agenda. No. Uh, look, if you check the record six months ago, I made it clear. That you have people like Manchin, cinema, cinema, to a lesser degree, who are intentionally sabotaging the president's agenda, what the American people want, what a majority of us in the Democratic caucus want. Nothing new about this. And the problem was that we continue to talk to Manchin like he was serious. He was not. This is a guy who is a major recipient of fossil fuel money, a guy who has received campaign contributions from 25 Republican billionaires. Do you think okay, this guy is serious? Uh, Senator, I want, I,
6: uh, okay, you say he wasn't serious, but Manchin says his main goal is to do what's good for West Virginia, and he's worried about inflation. Listen to what he told really? the West Virginia radio station. Really? Listen to this,
10: please. Is that right? <laughs> Inflation is absolutely killing many, many people. They can't buy gasoline. They have a hard time buying groceries. Everything they buy and consume for their daily lives is a hardship to them. Your reaction to that, Senator? Well, look, the same nonsense that Manchin has been talking about for a year. West Virginia has a beautiful state, and I've had the pleasure of being there. Great people. It is one of the poorest states in this country. You ask the people of West Virginia whether they want to expand Medicare to cover dental, hearing and eyeglasses. You ask the people of West Virginia whether we should demand that the wealthiest people in large corporations start paying their fair share of taxes. Ask the people of West Virginia whether or not all people should have health care as a human right like in every other country on earth. That's what they will say. In my humble opinion. You know, Manchin represents the very wealthiest people in this country, not working families in West Virginia or America.
6: And and, and Senator Sanders, I want to end with if these provisions don't get passed, doesn't look like they will. What does that mean for Democrats' climate goals and the climate itself?
10: Martha, it ain't Democrats. It isn't the president. It is the future of the planet. So, Let me ask you a question. If
0: it is indeed Joe Biden's agenda, then why is it that Bernie Sanders is fighting for that agenda in a way that Joe Biden is not? hmm And also, Joe Manchin just said inflation is killing people because gas is expensive and it's expensive for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, hyperbole much?
1: Uh-huh. People Just, are dying in the heat right now.
0: Yeah that's, yeah.
1: that's something that's happening. People die in the wildfires. People die in the natural disasters that are occurring. And,
0: and they're a direct result because of climate change.
1: And when, when that, in the previous news package, when the journalist asked, are we at the point where we can no longer put off action on climate change? And the universal answer within the scientific community is that we're about to be past time where we can do anything to really meaningfully change course. and But, oh, inflation! And
0: because he owns a bunch of coal stock and is a coal baron.
1: So one thing I will say is when I was going through news packages, every time they talk about Joe Manchin, every single news package that I listened to brought that up.
0: That he that he is flush with coal cash.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's really positive because more people need to hear that. There are underlying motivations when it comes to him constantly getting in the way, constantly blocking legislation, especially in this case. We know why. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's self-interest and self-dealing.
0: And he's getting a pass from Joe Biden himself because Joe Biden is the president of the United States of America and has a bully pulpit unlike any other. And he's not using it. Inexplicable. I have no idea why.
1: And what he is doing is considering declaring a national climate emergency.
0: What options would declaring a national climate emergency give the president when it comes to fighting global warming and climate change?
5: Well, first, Joe, let's just be clear. The president has made it clear as the, as they issued a statement on Friday saying that uh, climate action remains an urgent priority. And as the president put it, if the Senate refuses to act, he will take strong executive action. A White House official just got to get back to me uh, a moment ago. In fact, Joe, saying, uh, that, uh, that we are still considering all options and no final decision has been made. But what are those options? Uh, this official is pointing out that the president has already taken a number of executive actions to try to deal with climate change, including the, invoking the per, uh, Defense Production Act just last month to try to boost the solar manufacturing industry. According to a report from the Center for Biological Diversity, which is urging the president to take this more urgent action, he could also consider actions uh, like uh, invoking the Defense Production Act again and suspending offshore drilling and halting crude oil exports. Now, of course, as the White House is I- I- indicating, this is an option that they have been long considering. There was always a, a certain amount of pessimism about these talks that Senator Schumer was engaged in with Senator Manchin. And so they're ready for this moment, but now they're kind of doing the final uh, vetting of these options.
0: It's so fantastic to hear that the administration is considering they're, they're considering a consideration to consider Considering doing a, an executive order, how considerate of them? Mm-hmm. Listen, climate change is a literal national emergency, and if they can do a, a declaration of a national emergency, why do we have to well, let's wait and see if the Senate does something, and then if not, then we'll consider doing it. Just fucking do it. Just lead. Be the president of the United States, wield the power of the presidency, and do your goddamn job. For the sake of every American, for the sake of future generations, for the sake, be the guy who plants the tree the shade of which he'll never rest in. Goddamn.
1: I think that's the best way to say it right there.
0: Just not great. We'd love to know what you think. Please cheer me up. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We invite you to help support the show, help keep the proverbial lights on at uh, I Doubt It World Headquarters. (laughs) You can go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast and help support what we do there. We will see you uh, at the end of the month at the Patreon hangout call on Zoom. It is a good time. It is not a live stream on YouTube. It is actually a sit-down Zoom meeting. Zoom meeting. A Zoom call, like a happy hour thing, except it's at one in the afternoon on a Saturday. No,
1: it's like a work meeting. Definitely be prepared, like a work call. There will
0: be a presentation. We yeah. expect There will be a test or a quiz afterward.
1: Exactly. <laughs> be prepared.
0: Anyway, we love you guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been... I doubt